Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code COLLEGEDRAFT to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it's Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings. And this is one of my favorite times of year. Because nobody else really does this like we do it. Emery and I, every week, we will go over a different division and we'll go over all of the team's picks. That way you have a great feel for basically all the guys that got drafted. And in particular, we're really talking about your team. It's almost like power rankings. We're talking about your team, their strategy, the decisions that they made, the guys they drafted and the other opponents in the division. Of course, everybody knows you can check out Emery at F-Ball Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube, and then footballgameplan.com slash 2022 draft guide. That's the key if you want to get in written form all the undrafted free agents, everybody. Emery will talk about the undrafted free agents a little bit here as well on the show. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. You're going to be a winner this week. If you follow my new TikTok at Ross Tucker NFL, that's who the spread the word winner is going to be this week. Someone following me on TikTok. So here's what we do, Emery. You know the drill. Hopefully some of the new listeners will get on board as well. We go over one division at a time and we discuss exactly what we think of each of the team's picks it's fun we spend so much time in the lead up to the draft why not go over each team's picks it's a great way to talk about the players again their fits in their new cities takes us about two months you know eight divisions so then next thing you know it's july and we're looking ahead to college football it times out perfectly emory let's start with the Buffalo Bills. We'll just go alphabetical order. It's interesting because the only positions you heard people say the Bills taking people was maybe corner and maybe running back in the first round at 25 or wherever they were picking. They started by moving up from 25 to 23. I think they jumped in front of the Cowboys to get Kair Elam, 
your number one ranked corner. Yeah, and and again, we said this before. He's someone that you were shocked at his measurables because he plays like someone that's 5'11", 5'10", but he's 6'1", long arms, good press skills, and all those good things you want to see from a, a physical standpoint, but his coverage ability is outstanding, and he was handling some of the top receivers in college football, knowing what we know now coming out of the SEC with the Alabama receivers, Georgia, you know, Mississippi State. Like he was just all over the field. And he had a, he had a really solid uh, game against another guy that got drafted out of Sanford in Montreal, Washington, a receiver who was lighting up Florida that day, but he was holding his own against that guy. Uh, the Broncos drafted Washington, by the way, uh, later in the draft. So, yeah, Elon was my number one guy on the outside. I thought people should have been talking about him you know, in that upper echelon. And I'm glad to see him go in the first round. Buffalo, I feel like, got themselves a day one plug-and-play guy on the opposite of uh, Tredavious White. And then in the second round, they come back and get a guy that seems like, Emery, a perfect fit for the Bills offensively in James Cook, the running back from Georgia, to give them another weapon out of the backfield. Which, you know, they pass the ball a lot. They're in the gun a lot. Nice to get a guy that's such a good route runner and so good catching the ball out of the backfield. You know, but it's interesting. I felt this was the one question that I had about the Bills draft is the fact that you go and get a James Cook. um, But he kind of gives you what you have in Duke Johnson, kind of gives you what you have in Singletary. You know, you have that type already. You know, I feel like you needed to zig when your backfield is zagging. You needed someone that could help you close out games. And I thought that was an issue last year in the playoffs against Kansas City. They couldn't close out the game with their run game. They couldn't run the football. And I feel like James Cook is another receiver more so than runner. Um, so it's, it's almost like they're duplicating efforts in the backfield. Now they have three guys of the same type which is fine from a depth perspective in case one guy goes down, you you don't lose nothing in one aspect, but all three of those guys are the reason why your run game won't be what it should be going into the season. Their third round pick Terrell Bernard, which was announced by my buddy, Kyle Brandt, by the way, that was hilarious linebacker from Baylor, man. It feels like Baylor had a lot of guys drafted Emory. They, they really did, man. They had a lot of guys drafted and drafted high, too. They had more guys drafted than Texas. Um, I mean, hell, Louisiana had more guys drafted than Texas. So uh, I don't know what's going on down there in Austin, but Baylor definitely has stepped up. And it was interesting. A lot of those guys are on the defensive side of football that got drafted. Bernard is another one, uh, you know, point-and-shoot linebacker with speed. And he's going to fit in perfectly. with the, They love athleticism. They love speed at the second level. They have that already. Um, with Emmons and, and also Milano. So he's going to be perfect for, for what they do on defense. Next few picks, Khalil Shakir, a wide receiver from Boise State. Matt Areza, the punter from San Diego State. Christian Benford, corner from Nova. Yeah, Benford is someone that I'm glad that he got started to get a little bit more buzz later in the process. and enough to where he got drafted because he was really good for Villanova for quite some time. And, and it's fascinating to see how many guys we've seen from Villanova get drafted. So it tells you a lot about their recruiting efforts, the development efforts, um, the conference that they play in. 
Uh, but Ariza is another one that, that was fascinating because he wasn't the first punter to go off the board. He was a third punter. And everyone just you know knew he was the best punter out of everyone, but for different reasons is the reason why he went third. You know, he's more of a leg distance guy instead of a hang time type of guy. But man, you have the strongest leg in in him to pair with the strongest arm, arguably in the league, in Josh Allen. Anything notable of Shakir, the receiver from Boise State, Luke Tenuta in the sixth round, the tackle from Virginia Tech. Or Balin Specter, the linebacker from Clemson. You know, I know everyone is is all in on uh, Shakir, but you know we'll see how that works. I know he's going to be a good possession guy. Um, so fighting for position in, in this receiver room is going to be fascinating to watch. But again, can he play special teams? Can he do a good job? And uh, you know, but I'm more interested in their undrafted guy and Jalen Watermeyer. You know how the Texas A&M is weird because you go back to the beginning of the season, he was being mocked in the first round. Um, and then he plays like a guy that's a second round pick. Uh, but, you know, he didn't test well. No one from A&M did at that infamous A&M pro day, but they get him as an undrafted free agent and they might've stumbled upon something. Now you got a guy that can actually play. You also have OG Howard, you have D- Dawson Knox. That tight end room looks very impressive now than it did uh, prior. Yeah, it's uh, th- there's no question about it. Um, the next team up, any undrafted free agents, by the way, Emery? I always have to ask it. Any undrafted free agents we should discuss? Well, Watermeyer, firstly, um, is one. Keith Corbin out of Jackson State was someone that does you know has some ability. Was the number one receiver for Jackson State this year, so I'm excited to see how he does. Prince Amili from Penn, um, very good. Defensive tackle, three-tech type guy, was able to get pressure, had a really good college gridiron showcase. So those are the guys from as an undrafted free agent that really you know caught my attention. But Waterbuyer, to me, seems like the overall gem that they were able to come away with. This is fascinating that this guy really went from projected first-round type tight end. Um, it plays a lot like uh, Bennett that, that used to play tight end for a and and played tight end for a long time in the league. I, I was shocked to see him go undrafted. Marty B, Martellus Bennett. Yeah, Watermeyer was a guy that, like, before the year, there was talk of him as, like, the best uh, the best tight end out there. You know, between him and Spiller and DeMarvin Leal, I guess not really Kenyon Green if he went 15th overall, but it feels like there was a lot of hype on a lot of A&M guys that I don't know if they disappointed this year, Emory, or there was too much hype coming into the year, but... I remember a year ago, I was like, oh, Wadamire's the best tight end. Spiller's the best running back. Like, what happened all that? DeMarvin Leal's a locked first-round pick. I, I don't know what happened to these A&M guys. It, it has to be the testing because the on-field play, you know, Spiller was legit for A&M this year. He, again, he helped them win the Colorado game with his, his reception deep down the field. He was trying to bring them back against Arkansas. They beat Alabama. You know, and Watamai had a, a really big play in that game too. So I, I just don't, I don't get it. And um, I, I do think a lot of it was due to how poorly they tested. You know, and and the NFL seemed like this year they were focused on, you know, guys that had the, the traits number one, but also guys that tested well, um, both at the combine at the pro and at your pro days. And those guys just didn't test well. It was, it was bizarre to see the the drop from those guys like you talked about being projected high first round picks too 
By the way, I, I didn't mention this earlier, but I hope everybody should mention this on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast too, by the way. Golick Jr. was great talking about NIL and the impact that's having on college football and, and eventually the NFL. So I encourage you guys to listen or watch the Ross Tucker Football Podcast if you didn't. And I hope everybody had a great Mother's Day yesterday. You would have if you got your mom or the moms in your life, the story from myfrontpagestory.com, you would have absolutely had an epic Mother's Day. Not too late, though, for anniversaries, birthdays, whatever you got coming up. Everybody's got something coming up. Myfrontpagestory.com. All right, Emery, let's talk about the Miami Dolphins. They only had four picks because of the Waddle trade last year, the Tyreek Hill trade this year. I guess I want to ask you about that first. I mean, that's a lot of draft picks they've allocated the last two years to trade to get Waddle and Tyreek Hill. As a guy that, you know, loves the draft, loves all these picks, loves all these players, what do you think of that philosophy? Um, you know, last year they trade, this year's one to move up to get Waddle, who ends up being Waddle. I, I still think they thought they could get Kyle Pitts or um, either Kyle Pitts or potentially Jamar Chase. That's my opinion. But then you've got um, this year, they trade all those picks for Tyree Kill. What do you think of that? Because their draft, I mean, they only have four guys. Right. And if you're going to trade first-round picks, you better get impact starters. And you look at their depth chart. Um, they drafted Waddle in the first round. They drafted Tua, obviously, in the first round. They drafted Christian Wilkins out of Clemson in the first round. Jalen Phillips uh, last year in the first round as well. Um, and, you know, Igbenogany is not st uh, starting. He's a backup right now. They also drafted him in the first round. So for the, And Austin Jackson, too, the, the lineman. So they're, they're pretty consistent with drafting in the first round and guys that, that end up being starters. But if you're going to trade first-round picks, you want to trade them for impact players. And I can understand trading Tyreek Hill, you know, trading for Tyreek Hill with the first round pick. Um, you get up and get Waddle, who is a, a very good football player for them. Now, um, and if you're going to go with this approach, like the Rams, you better be able to hit on the rest of your picks. And that's going to be key in what we have to monitor uh, with the Dolphins moving forward. Their first pick wasn't until the third round and it was the linebacker from Georgia, but not the one that, or two that people talked about the most wasn't Quay Walker. wasn't the Kobe Dean. It was Channing Tindall, which the dolphins say, or their reports out Emory, that that's a guy they had been targeting for a while and really liked. What, what can you tell yeah. us about Tindall? It's funny, when you watch Georgia's defense play, Tindall's speed and explosiveness stood out more so than N'Kobe Dean. I know N'Kobe Dean uh, was the highly decorated player and made a lot of plays um, and game-changing plays too, but it's hard to ignore the the athletic limitations that he had, especially when he's running sidecar with someone like Tindall who's explosive. Uh, so if you're going to pair him up with, you know, next to Jerome Baker, it gives you you know, a lot of speed at the second level. And Tindall is someone that has to work better in coverage. But in terms of seeing, diagnosing, and getting to the run game and chasing the quarterback, that's that's Tindall's game. He's going to be a fantastic blitzer off the bat. Um, 
So I didn't mind that pick. And, and Tindall, I had the same grade with Tindall as I did with Nicobe Dean. But I feel like both guys went to great spots for them. Dean, to me, is someone that is going to fit in perfect in Philly, uh, fit in perfectly with the Eagles because of what's in front of him now. That defensive line is going to look a lot like Georgia. But Tindall, in a run-and-chase type situation, is is perfectly suited to play with the Dolphins. So I understand that pick from uh from a scheme perspective and also just from an athleticism perspective. Let's get to Eric Ezukanma in the fourth round, a wide receiver from Texas tech from, you know, that program, you're usually talking about guys that are, you know, fly down the field type guys, you know, deep ball specialists, catch and run guys um, in terms of elusive, but, you don't see receivers from Texas Tech be this strong and be, be physical. He breaks a lot of tackles. Like, he is a problem to tackle, you know. So he's going to be someone I think can work over the middle of the field, um, give them something extra after the catch. You know, Waddle can be your your speed demon, your your deeper threat, even though he was utilized as a, you know, as a, short, uh, a short yardage receiver in terms of the amount of catches in his yards per attempt. But I feel like we're going to see that role progress. And someone Izukama is going to be the physical guy, take the the pressure off the you know off the uh, you know the middle of the field or whatnot, um, and, and be that guy because he could break a lot of tackles. I, I was just amazed at how many tackles he broke at at you know Texas Tech. The Dolphins had two picks in the seventh round. Always interesting, and I think instructive to see who they take in the seventh round because. On some level, you know that they could think, well, they could maybe get him as an undrafted free agent. So the guys they take are the guys that they really want and or they don't want to take any chance of not getting him in the seventh round. So let's get to uh, linebacker Cameron Good from Cal and your guy, Emery, Skylar Thompson, the quarterback from K-State. Yeah, Good is someone that has – Again, really good athleticism. There's a type that they are, that they are looking for at linebacker, um, run and chase type guys. But good is someone I feel like has, you know, better coverage skills than Tyndall. So it's going to be interesting to see where where he fits in this this whole thing. Core special team if they want you don't want to take a chance on a guy like that hitting the undrafted you you uh, free agent market just like Thompson. Thompson is another one. A lot of teams probably had a, a beat on Thompson to sign as an undrafted free agent. The Dolphins were like, well, we're going to beat those guys to the punch, make them a seventh-round pick. And the, it's like we said before, it's the athleticism. It's the ability to keep the chains moving. Health is going to be key for him. But now you look at that that depth chart. I mean, he's kind of cut from the same cloth as a Chris Strebler, who's their third-string quarterback right now, the kid out of South Dakota that also came over from the CFL, played with Winnipeg, uh, won some games up there, but also was with the Cardinals also. So – Really good quarterback room with a you know guys that can make things happen if the initial play breaks down. Teddy Bridgewater is the backup. Uh, Tua is kind of cut from the same mold as you know the Strevlers and the Thompson. So it's fascinating quarterback room. But as you know, big fan of Scott Thompson and what he brings to the table. Yeah, what do you think the thought process is there, Emery, bringing him in? Well, keep him stashed. You know, on, on a practice squad if he doesn't beat out Strevler. Uh, Strebler is kind of the Taysom Hill in this role because um, he's a very good runner with the football. 
uh, he was on punt team out there with Arizona as well. So I think like they want to get another quote unquote, you know, true quarterback uh, in the room, another arm for, for training camp, but also want to bring him along and develop. But he's an older guy too. I mean, he's been in college five years. So, you know, that's someone that they probably see as a long-term uh, reserve for Tua Tagovailoa. Any undrafted free agents stand out to you, Emory? Yeah, the fact that they went heavy with undrafted free agents because they didn't have a lot of picks. But Blaze Andrus, the the offensive lineman from Minnesota, Kellen Deesh, I talked to him at uh, the East-West Shrine Bowl, really good lineman out of Arizona State. Um, Braylon Sanders, I tweeted about him a lot at the NFL PA game, how he was just – owning the week out there wide receiver. So he's got a shot too. So I was very impressed with what they did in Cater Caho out of Texas A&M Commerce. This was someone they gave the highest signing bonus to as an undrafted free agent, which is always a tell-all sign that they were targeting this guy uh, in the draft as well. He's someone that has fantastic explosiveness, speed, and athleticism, had a really good week at the Hula Bowl. So getting him in, he kind of plays like Noah Igbenogany, um, when you watch him play, but you get someone uh, that, that has good mirror and match skills, could probably play inside. I have him as a slot corner. So very impressive skill set, and giving him that high undrafted free agent money tells you a lot about what they think about him and what their plans are for him. Let's bring in a special guest as we talk about the New England Patriots. A buddy of mine for a long time. His name is Greg Bedard. You got to check him out, especially if you're a Pats fan or any fan of the AFC East at all, or any Boston sports for that matter. At Greg A. Bedard, B-E-D-A-R-D. He's the founder and editorial director at bostonsportsjournal.com. Greg, we're going over the AFC East picks. We already did the Bills and the Dolphins, but we, we got you here because we need to talk about the Patriots with somebody that's there and has been following them forever. You know, especially their first two picks for me, Greg, I, I was surprised. I, I thought they were head scratchers. I mean, the Rams' reaction to them taking Cole Strange is all you need to know. And then Tyquan Thornton, a Patriots second rounder. I mean, I tried to go on DraftKings to see if there's a way I can bet on him to be a bust because he's a Patriots (laughs) wide receiver draft pick in the second round. Thanks for coming on the show. No problem. Good good to be with you guys. Yeah, I mean, look, Russ, you know, Russ, I would love to be able to tell you, like, you know, you're crazy. The Patriots know exactly what they're doing. They're ahead of the game. I I can't really tell you that at this point. I, I mean, I think, first of all, they traded down for 21, where there were a lot of good players on the board, including they traded with Kansas City, who, you know, they kind of tussle with once in a while in the postseason. And the Chiefs decided to pay, uh, trade up to the Patriots' spot and took Trent McDuffie, who is a cornerback. The Patriots are so poor at cornerback right now that they had to take uh, Malcolm Butler, who didn't even play football last year. And, and when he did sign with the Cardinals before he, quote-unquote, retired – uh, nobody really wanted to offer him a contract. So J.C. Jackson leaves. They're replacing with Malcolm Butler. Patriots trash on, pass on Trent McDuffie. They pass on Keir Elam, who the Bills traded up for, who is also on the clock. They trade, you know, your divisional rival. Uh, they replace um, Levi Wallace, who left in free agency, with Keir Elam. The Patriots don't replace J.C. Jackson, really. 
And, you know, also Devin Lloyd was a guy, a linebacker, who a lot of us thought might interest the Patriots. Pacers pass on that. They trade down. Fine. What have you. And they get on the clock and they take Cole Strange from UT Chattanooga. Now, I will say the Rams' reaction to it, I think, was a little bit overblown. I think they were more poking fun at themselves about, like, what a bunch of idiots we are. We thought we might be able to pick that kid that kid at 104. And instead, the Patriots are, you know, have a first-round grade on him. Um, look, is he a good player? Yes. Do I think he's going to play immediately? Yeah. I mean, they didn't trade – they didn't pick him there not to play. So he's going to play. I think he's a, I think he could be a better center ultimately, which is what he played at the senior bowl. Uh, but this is a need that they've created themselves in recent years, Ross. They, they, they franchise tag Joe Tooney, uh, when they really shouldn't have during that seven and nine season, wasted $15 million and a comp pick. They let him go. Uh, he signs with the chiefs and last year they had Ted Karras, who beat out Michael Wenu, uh, sent a Wenu to the bench at guard. He signs with the Bengals. They trade Shaq Mason. So all of a sudden they have this need at guard that they created themselves and they reach for a guy in the first round who probably they could have gotten in the second round. And then you're right, Tyquan Thornton. I will say, I liked him on film more than I thought he was. I was going to. Greg Cosell was very high on him. Um, you know, mentioned him along with Jamison Williams and Chris Olave. Uh, I do think he's a bit of a risk there. I think they could have gotten him later, you know, track guy, deep threat guy. Uh, but there is something there with him, and and I can see why they liked him. I did With both those picks, though, could they have gotten them later? That's the big question. You know, Emery, I haven't watched um, Cole Strange's tape. Like, you know, I've seen highlights, but I haven't watched his game tape. To be an interior offensive lineman from the FCS and go in the first round, I mean, he must be unbelievable. He must be murdering people. I mean, I, I, I am like stunned. What did you think, Emery, of Strange and Thornton, the Patriots' first two picks? Yeah, Strange is my number two center in the in the entire class. So I love the pick because you go and watch that game against Kentucky, and you know Kentucky has those interior defensive linemen, Marcus McCall. The nose tackle is a very good player. Up front, they've been good defensively uh, for the last five years. Dominated in that ball game. Chattanooga had a chance to win that game, honestly. Uh, they were going toe-to-toe with Kentucky. So it's the recognition skills, the athleticism. And when you have that type of athlete at center, your entire playbook is open. Uh, you can do so much movement in the, in the passing game and also in the run game. Uh, but I thought that was the reason why this was one that, you know, the Patriots had to take because – the reaction from the Rams, I agree with Greg there. If they probably thought, all right, this is a small college guy. Everyone's probably going to go for the big, you know, university type guys. They thought they had an outside chance to really, you know, jump back into day two and get him. Uh, but it, with the draft, we know this. You can't play the draft because we just talked about the Dolphins going up thinking they're going to get Jamar Chase. The Bengals are like, yeah, well, guess what? You know, we'll, we'll take him here at pick number five or whatnot. So, I thought that the fact that his strength is good, his functional strength is good, the fact that he could play guard and center is also a plus. We know the NFL roster is 46-man game day roster, so having someone that has excellent ability at both positions kind of gives you uh, what you need up front because we know they only carry so many linemen on game day. But I thought he was a really good player at Chattanooga and then going down there 
uh, to Mobile, had a really good week there playing multiple positions. Uh, but, yeah, he, he graded out real high for me. And Thornton is someone, you know, is just a yeah, – I think he's just a – I don't want to say just a, a, a straight-line, linear guy, but that's how I view him. He's tough. He's physical more so than his 119-pound mm-hmm. frame indicates. Um, but you want to see him, you know, gain weight, get thicker, and also you want to see how much more nuanced he could be outside of just a go guy. Emery, can I can I ask you a question for a second? Sorry to you know no, play role as um, host there, Ross. But uh, Emery, you're you're an expert on this, and and I agree with you. I think when I when I watched Cole Strange, I thought um, top of the line center. I mean, his, his Ross, when you watch tape on him, his ability to get to the second level and down the field, it reminds me of Alex Mack. I haven't seen a, a an interior lineman get to the second level on this uh, better than a lot of guys. But here's my thing, and you mentioned Jamar Chase. In today's NFL and what the Patriots are lacking, uh, you know, wider arguing about wide receiver and going up and, hey, you don't want to miss on this guy because we're talking about dynamic weapons. And no offense, Ross, but we're talking about a guard here. And, like, you know, I, I've made this point to Patriots fans who want to defend the pick. You know, when – they broke through in 2014. Their interior line was Dan Conley, undrafted. Uh, Brian Stork, rookie fourth-round pick at center. Uh, Ryan Wendell, at guard, undrafted. When they won their last two Super Bowls, it was Joe Tooney, third-round, immediate starter. Uh, center, David Andrews, undrafted, uh, almost an immediate starter. Shaq Mason, fourth-round, immediate starter. So I-, I understand that Cole Strange has – um, a ceiling and he's a good player but I, I don't know if I can defend taking an interior lineman in the first round in the draft anymore not in today's NFL I'm just curious about your thoughts on that well I, I'm I'm glad I'll just jump in real quick I'm glad you said that because when they've had so much success with guys like Tooney and Mason to take strange in the first round is a strange pick to me I mean especially Look, you mentioned Elam earlier, Greg. That was Emery's number one outside corner. Mm-hmm. Emery's number one outside. That's who corner. I would have taken. I would have stayed at. I would have stayed. I would have turned down the trade, stayed at twenty-one, and taken Elam if I were. Yeah, that that was Emery's number one outside corner. So that, and I, I know it's like a joke about the Patriots and receivers with Thornton, but I mean, it's a it's big valid. sample size now. Mm-hmm. It's a big sample size now. And my question is, with the type of receiver Thornton is. I mean, who's getting the ball deep down the field? It ain't Mac Jones. <laughs> it ain't Mac Jones with that arm. So then let's let's continue here, Greg, because I, I want to yep. get to the other picks. So I will say this: their third round pick, Marcus Jones, love him. I love that dude. I, I mean, I, he is an elite returner. I think he'll be a terrific nickel. Love that pick. Don't know as much about Jack Jones. Emory, you have to tell me. Uh, Pierre Strong looked like a stud to me. Bailey mm-hmm. Zappi. Bailey Zappi in the fourth round. Now, I did the Army game against Western Kentucky. Army beat Western Kentucky, by the way. He's good. He's accurate. I- explain that pick to me, Greg. We just want to get a cheap backup and stop paying Hoyer? Uh, yeah. Well, number one, both their quarterbacks on the roster, Brian Hoyer, uh, who you're hoping transitions to coaching at some point, uh, and Jarrett Stidham are both in their contract years. So that explains that. But to, to me, Ross, it does not explain taking him in the fourth round. 
Again, Bill has these things against fifth-round picks. Like, he had two before the draft. He traded them away. He's done this many years before where, for some reason, he hates the fifth round. He thinks that it's the that's the dividing line between taking a real prospect and just getting ahead in undrafted free agency. But I'm sorry. With the COVID year and now, you know, some of the talent on the college level, we all talked about the depth of this draft. So what's wrong with having two fifth-round picks and t- taking Bailey Zappi in the fifth round? He's probably lasting that long and, and, you know, addressing a need, a real need, in the fourth round. I just didn't get that. Emery, your thoughts on some of the mid-round picks, the Joneses at corner, Pierre Strong, Bailey Zappi? Love Strong. He's always one play away from hitting the house. So that that's no. that's a great pick for, for, for uh, New England. Uh, Marcus um, Jones was my number one slot corner. So I love that pick, obviously. Yep. And Jack Jones was my number number six boundary corner. So I love Jack Jones. Uh, he's going to have to gain weight. You know, at times he yeah. can get a little bit too grabby because he's 171, weighed 171 at the combine. But his cover skills, his aggressiveness, love that. I think right now he's – I would have him, uh, you know, higher than Jalen Mills as the corner. I would definitely not have a problem starting – Jones over Mills at corner because I think Jones' coverage ability is phenomenal. Um, but also they so I, I love the two corners they got on the back end. But man, it would have been a, a, a home run had they gotten Elam, Jones, yep. and Jones, you know? Yeah. It would Ross and, and real quick on that. So I had um I had Greg Gosell on my podcast that's out uh today, the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast. So people are curious. So he think he sees he mentioned Honey Badger with Marcus Jones that he can do that sort of thing. And, you know, Devin McCourty's in a contract year. Maybe he's a future sort of free safety, um, that guy for them. Jack Jones, because, like Emery said, about his weight, he sees him more as a slot cornerback. Uh, Bailey, uh, Pierre Strong, uh, James White's trying to come back from hip surgery. Who knows whether he's going to do that? He gives you an option, an upside as a, as a pass back. And D- Damian Harris also going into a contract year. And the other running back, Kevin Harris, more of an every down, first two down back that if you move on or trade Damian Harris at some point, go with Stevenson as your guy, then Kevin Harris could be that top young backup, cheap backup. <laughs> you know what's what? funny about that? My comp for Kevin Harris is Damian Harris. There so they go. definitely have a type. <laughs> that, em- Emery, anybody jump out to you? Sam Roberts, Jason Hines, Andrew Stuber, any of their undrafted guys? Sam Roberts is was excellent on tape, man. I, I listen. He was someone that I thought was going to go undrafted, but he was my number five five tech. He could play across the defensive front, and you watch him just explode into the lineman's chest and really getting some knockback and and pushback. So to me, that was a really good pick. Um, undrafted, I know uh, it, it's a shame how far De'Ara King has fallen. I remember him getting work at receiver at the Shrine game, and it was just like. Mm. Is he is he's not that top tier athlete to play receiver, so it'll be interesting to see him play this Taysom Hill role for New England. Greg, um, before I let you go, we're gonna dive into the Jets next, and then we're done here. Everybody's praising the Jets for their draft. Can I just say, like, they had three first round picks and four of the first thirty six picks. Like, I I guess my point, Greg, would be. It'd be kind of weird if we thought they had a bad draft, right? Like if we're like, ah, they had four of the top thirty-six, but those guys all stink. Like I know, it- I I agree with you. I mean, I you know, 
But I will say this. I mean, for the Jets, the Jets of all people, and by the way, I loved what the Bills did in this draft, uh, unfortunately, for New England. But to get Sauce Gardner, who, you know, probably the number one cornerback in the draft, to get the number one cornerback, to get a lot of people's number one receivers, I'm not as high on Garrett Wilson. Um, I'd rather take guys, some of the guys that were in the second round and get more bang for my buck. And Jermaine Johnson, who's a who plays the run really well, will need to be developed as an edge rusher. But is probably the it, a lot of people like Greg Cosell think he he was their best edge guy in the draft to get the top corner, people's top wide receiver and top edge guy. Hard to complain about that. But you're right. I mean, it was a low bar for the Jets to to jump over. Uh, congratulations for the Jets front office for actually executing because we've seen a lot of Jets front offices completely fumble on the goal line in that situation. Check him out at Greg A. Bedard, bostonsportsjournal.com. Greg, that was perfect timing, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Emery, uh, love your work, and uh, we'll see you guys down the road. Appreciate you, Greg. All right, there he is, Greg Bedard. Uh, big fan of Greg. I like this. I like having a pop-in of uh, someone to talk about a specific team or the whole division. So, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson. We kind of talked about the first round um, already, Emery. After that, Brees Hall, second round. Jeremy Ruckert, third round. Max Mitchell, fourth round. Oh, you're going to love the draft. They got Max Mitchell. They got a Louisiana guy. And then Michael Clemens, fourth round. What did you think of their last four guys? This is why I love the, the, the Jets draft. Michael Clemens was someone we mentioned in the preseason about, you know, he has upside if he could stay healthy. And he stayed healthy this year and was a significant performer for them. He was probably more consistent than the Marvin Leal up front for AM. So that's someone that gives them a, a base defensive lineman, someone that's going to be able to play five tech with that with that length. And uh we talk about Max Mitchell, swing player, can play either tackle spot, can also play guard. That's going to be huge for the Jets because we saw what happened when they started to suffer some injuries up front, that whole office went to, you know what? Uh, so getting somebody of the caliber of Max Mitchell that can play either tackle spot and also play inside helps him out. Ruckert, you look at that tight end room now, Trayvon Wesco, Tyler Conklin, CJ Uzoma. Ruckert is someone that a lot of people feel like is going to be a better pro than he was in college. I think he gives them a little bit what they had in Croft um, last year. Uh, and how Croft looked like he was going to be an amazing breakout player in the preseason. I feel like that's going to be the role for, for Ruckert. So, yeah, this is why I thought they nailed the draft and undrafted free agents. You already hear reports out of, you know, rookie minicamp that Irvin Charles looks impressive. Like, well, who would have thought that? Well, we talked about Irvin Charles here out of Indiana University of Pennsylvania, former Penn State guy, and DQ Thomas. I don't know if you saw my tweet, Ross, a couple of days ago about – you know, a life lesson on video where the guy was trying to blitz down the A-gap, got flipped, got up and made a tackle. That's DQ Thomas from Middle Tennessee State, someone that's going to, you know, that can that can be a strong safety, but like a weak side linebacker. So he's another long, lengthy run and chase guy with athleticism that gives him that versatility. So I thought they did a fantastic job uh, in what they were able to do, not only in the draft, but also with some of these undrafted free agents. Check him out on social media. He's at FBall Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube. We're youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. You can hit me up at Ross Tucker NFL everywhere. Really looking forward to the rest of these divisional series. This is awesome. 
getting a guest on like Greg, going through every team's picks. I don't even know what I don't even know what division we're going to do next week. I got to figure out the division and the guest. We'll keep it rolling here on the College Draft Podcast. Tell your friends, tell your family. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We're all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.